That's a perfect song, Oh How He Loves Us. And it just uh, speaks so many things about God's great love for us. In John three sixteen, for God so loved the world that he gave us only begotten son, that whosoever should believe in him should not perish but have everlasting life. I mean, that's Christmas. That's God giving us Jesus Christ at Christmas time. Now, you might have come, on, uh, come to GRX this morning and took a, took a look at the bulletin. If you have your bulletin, take a quick look at that, and you might go, hey, what, what's going on here? There's like a Christmas bell, and like, you know, kind of Christmas stuff, and you go, wait, aren't we past Christmas? I mean, that, Christmas was on Friday. Oh, I don't know, maybe GRX kind of, you know, we, we forgot to change the graphic on the bulletin or something like that, and so, but actually, this is now the Christmas season. This is now the season of Christmas for us. You know, there's that song on the first day of Christmas, my true love gave to me. That starts the day after Christmas. And it's 12 days of Christmas from Christmas Day all the way up through Epiphany, um, which is uh, January 6th on Wednesday. But we are now in the second day of Christmas. Advent was all of the Sundays leading up to Christmas, and then once we hit Christmas, then we have Christmas Sundays and the season of Christmas after that. And so we're going to continue to celebrate Christmas, even though maybe on the radio they've stopped playing Christmas music, which is kind of a bummer. Or maybe in the department stores, maybe in the big box stores, they're starting to take down their Christmas decorations, right? It's the season of returns for them. But in our homes, we can keep our Christmas decorations up. In our church, we can keep our Christmas stuff up. We can keep the Advent candles and the Christ candle up. We can keep our nativity set up because now is the Christmas season. Jesus Christ has come at Christmas and on Christmas Day, and now we are in Christmas. We are Christmas people and celebrating Christmas. We're going to continue to look at these great songs of Christmas. Some songs that maybe we knew even as little kids, songs that we might know by heart, they're these songs of hope. And today's song we're going to look at, it's an older song, it doesn't get sung all the time, but I really like it, and it's called, O Little Town of Bethlehem. It's a poem. It's a song, certainly, but it started out as a poem, and it's also a prayer. So it's a poem and a prayer. It's actually inspired out of a couple of passages in Scripture. One of those passages is out of the book of Micah. It's a prophecy about Jesus Christ, and it's about this little town, this little village, Bethlehem. So Micah chapter 5, starting at verse 2, says this prophecy. But you, O Bethlehem, Ephrathah, who are too little... To be among the clans of Judah. It means you're so small. You're, you're not significant at all. From you shall come forth for me one who is to be the ruler in Israel, whose coming forth is from of old, from ancient days. And if you skip down to verse 4, it says this And he shall stand and shepherd his flock in the strength of the Lord, in the majesty of the name of of the Lord his God, and they shall dwell secure, for now he shall be great 
to the ends of the earth, and he shall be their peace. So out of this little town, this little village that's so insignificant, it doesn't even get named among the great communities within Judah. Out of this little place is going to come the Savior for all of Israel and all of Judah. And the story where we see this taking place is in Luke chapter 2. This first part I'll read, we haven't looked at yet in this Advent series. And then the second part, it'll be familiar to you because we've looked at it already. Luke chapter 2, starting at verse 1, says this. In those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This was the first registration when Quirinius was governor of Syria, and all went to be registered, each to his own town. And Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the town of Nazareth, to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem. It's the same town mentioned in Micah. Because he was the house and lineage of David to be registered with Mary, his betrothed, who was with child. And while they were there, the time came for her to give birth, and she gave birth to her firstborn son, wrapped him in swaddling cloths, and laid him in a manger, because there was no place for them in the inn. And then the story continues. I'm just going to read this. It's not going to come up on the slide. But after this, and in that same region, there were shepherds out of the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And this passage also inspires O little town of Bethlehem. And an angel of the Lord appeared to the shepherds, and the glory of the Lord shone all around them. And they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David, that's Bethlehem, one who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloth and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a great multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among people. God's good decision. And so then the shepherds get up from where they are and they go to Bethlehem and they see Mary and Joseph and the baby Jesus just as it was described to them. These were the inspirations of this great hymn, great carol, O Little Town of Bethlehem. This was a song that was written way back in 1868. 1868. And for you history buffs that are out there, 1868 was really close to the end of the Civil War. 1861 to 1865 was when the Civil War happened. Incredibly devastating. Incredibly devastating in the life of the United States. So just a few years after that, in 1868, a little town of Bethlehem was written by a pastor of an Episcopalian church. His name is Phillips Brooks. And he was out in Philadelphia. And the Episcopalian church is this church that actually it comes, its tradition is from England. And in England, it's the Church of England 
or the Anglican church. So it's this massive cultural church. But the branch that branched off into the United States became the Episcopalian church. So Phillips Brooks wrote this three years after the close of the Civil War, and he wrote it, and then pastors will sometimes do this. They'll write a poem, and he wrote this poem, and then he gives it to his organist, and he said, okay, I wrote this poem. Now you're the organist. You're the musician. Put some music to it. Now, I don't know what the relationship between Phillips Brooks was and his his organist, but Philip Brooks gets in touch with him, and he says, hey, I want to do this on Sunday. I want to do this song on Sunday. And he talks to him on Friday night. And he goes, so Lewis, Lewis Redner is the organist. He goes, Lewis, have you written the music yet? And uh, Lewis Redner goes, uh, no, I don't have any music yet. And so uh, I don't know if there's any conflict between the pastor and the organist at this point. But... Uh, but Phyllis Brooks is like, come on, you got to write music. We're doing this on Sunday. And so uh, under much duress and pressure, uh, Lewis Redner, the organist, actually does crank out a tune, and they are able to present this on Sunday. Um, and so when we look at this song, we're going to sing it in a little bit. Just know that even back in 1868, churches didn't run really smoothly back then. <laughs> But the poetry is great. The first two verses of this, um, of the four stanzas, the first two tell the story. And then the third verse is a bit of a reflection. And then the fourth is the prayer. But listen to the first two verses of this great poetic carol. O little town of Bethlehem, how still we see thee lie. Above thy deep and dreamless sleep, the silent stars go by. Yet in the dark street shineth the everlasting light. The hopes and fears of all the years are met in thee tonight. Second verse, for Christ is born of Mary and gathered all above. While mortals sleep, the angels keep their watch of wondering love. It's the angels coming out singing that great chorus to the shepherds. They're up in heaven, and then they watch with wondering love what's going on in Bethlehem. O morning stars together proclaim the holy birth, and praises sing to God the King, and peace to men on earth. Bethlehem sits about six miles away from Jerusalem. If you go to Bethlehem today, it's actually a big city. It's about 60,000 people. And it's actually a little shocking when you go there because Bethlehem is surrounded by a giant security wall. It's a giant walled city. Because Bethlehem actually today is a Palestinian territory. So the Palestinians are living there. But this huge security fence, you know, 40, 50 feet high with Guard towers, rifle nests are up on this tower, all around Bethlehem. And when you go in and out of Bethlehem, because it's Palestinian held, it's surrounded by Israel. So when you go in, you have to be security checked, and guards will check you before you can go in and out. 
because of the conflict between Palestine and, and Israel. In that area, there's the Church of the Nativity, and it's one of the oldest churches. It's about, built in about the 4th century, and they've built this giant, giant uh, structure on where they think, actually, Jesus was born, in this little spot. But if you could strip all of that away, strip this giant church away, and you can strip this giant security wall away and the present-day conflict, Bethlehem, in the time of Jesus, was just a very, very small village. A very small village. A few houses. Not a lot of things going on there. The house of bread. Bethlehem, house of bread. Really, really tiny. Really, really small. When I think about Bethlehem back then, I kind of think about it like our present-day button willow. Now, if you drive back and forth along the I-5 freeway a lot, you'll know where button willow is. It's down, down somewhere like, I don't know, near like Los Banos, and it's kind of down there. It's, it, but if you're just like from California or from somewhere else in the United States, you'll be like, I've never heard of button willow. It's this little tiny place. Button Willow, it's, it's, it's got a lot of gas stations so you can fill up your car. And it's got this little tiny uh, place to eat called Tita's Pupuseria. If you like El Salvadorian food, it's kind of this really cool place to stop and you can eat pupuserias and stuff like that. But it's really small. It's really small. And uh, it's really nondescript. And... Bethlehem is kind of like button willow. You don't really pay any attention to it unless you need gas or you want to eat El Salvadorian food. Other than that, you just drive on through. You don't even see it. Within this sleepy little town, there's a battle between darkness and light. And the light wins. That's what Phyllis Brooks says. Yet in the dark streets shineth the everlasting light. John 1 captures it this way. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. That's what happens when Jesus is born in this little, tiny, dark town of Bethlehem. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. Last year, uh, for our staff retreat, we always go away and we plan and we strategize for GRX and usually take the, the staff off-site somewhere. Last year, we went up to the foothills of the Sierras in an area, um, Sonora. And we were doing planning and we were doing a bunch of stuff and praying and thinking about GRX. But then we also did an outing. And I took them up to this cave. It's called Moaning Cavern. And, and I discovered our church staff has had a lot of experiences, but they've never really been in a cave. They've never been in a cavern. And so it's this cool place where you go and you look, and they've got like a, a, a sort of a, a, a building built over it so that you can look into it and you don't have to get 
exposed to the elements or the rain, and it's this big, deep, dark hole. And it just goes down and down and down, hundreds of feet into the earth. And then there's a little door off to the side where they've built this stairway that goes down. And it's this spiral staircase that's wrought iron that goes down and down and down and down and down, all the way down. So I said, come on, let's go. So we bought a little ticket, and we got through that little door, and we went down and down and down and down and down, down into the cave. So now, they're really great there at, at Moaning Cavern because it's sort of a tourist attraction. Uh, it's, it's a good tourist attraction. I mean, it's not like, you know, go see the largest Teflon frying pan in the world. I mean, this is a real tourist attraction. It's a cool tourist attraction. And it's lit up, and you can see all these great stalactites and stalagmites. And you go down and down and down and down into the cavern. And you get all the way down into the bottom, and you're there, and you're just kind of looking and all these incredible uh, geological formations. And then the guide, the guy that's down there with you, says, all right, is, is everybody sitting down or standing in a good place? I'm like, okay, what, what's going to happen? He goes, I'm going to turn off the lights. And he turns all the lights off. And it's completely black. It's completely black. And you think, down here in the darkness, millions of years to form these stalactites and stalagmites. For millions of years, darkness in this cave. You can't, it's so dark, you can't even see your hand in front of your face. It's so dark, you can't see anything. And then, he lights one candle. He lights one candle, and all the darkness retreats. And you can see you can see everything. And for us, the most important thing to see was to see that spiral staircase so that we could get out. And then he turns on the rest of the lights and then we can see. But do you imagine if you were down there and let's say you were down there and you went down the spiral staircase and all the lights went out. You couldn't see. But if you could light a candle, you could find your way out. The light shows the way out. The light that shines in the darkness, the darkness has not overcome it. It's the way out. And then verse 3 reflects on the human condition that we have. Philip Brooks' great song continues like this. How silently, how silently the wondrous gift is given. So God imparts to human hearts the blessing of his heaven. No ear may hear his coming, but in this world of sin, where meek souls will receive him still, the dear Christ enters in. And then the last verse is a prayer. Prayer for us. O holy child of Bethlehem, descend to us, we pray. Cast out our sin and enter in, be born to us today. We hear the Christmas angels, the
the great glad tidings tell. O come to us, abide to us, our Lord, Emmanuel. O come to us, abide with us. Come and be the light in our lives. You know, I love this set of verses because this song really acknowledges that none of us are perfect people. We're not perfect people in 2015. They weren't perfect people in 1868. You know, we're not perfect. We sin. We do bad stuff. We're stressed. We yell at our spouse. We yell yell at our kids. We get impatient. And then in that, it's easy to get down on ourselves, feel trapped, feel trapped that we're not great people, get trapped in our own darkness. But the hope of Jesus Christ is that we don't have to live in our own darkness. We don't have to respond to others out of our own woundedness. See, Jesus Christ has come to offer healing and forgiveness and wholeness and redemption and love so that we, as a Christmas people, can live in joy and live in freedom. In that hymn that we first looked at, in that song that we first looked at, at the beginning of the story, Joy to the World, the Lord has come. Even that song wrestles with brokenness. It says, No more let sin, nor sorrows grow, nor thorns infest the ground. He comes to make his blessings flow far as the curse is found. God comes to have his blessings flow in you and in me and in us. And that's joy to the world. That's joy at Christmas time. So Phillips Brooks in a little town of Bethlehem, he actually gets it right. Yet in the dark street shineth the everlasting light, the hopes and fears of all the years are met in thee tonight. Do you have fears? Do you have fears? Do you wrestle with darkness in your life? You might have fears or darkness from many, many years. But in Jesus Christ, the hope meets our fear. The hopes and fears of all the years are met in thee tonight. Jesus is the everlasting light He's our hope. He's come into the world. He shows us the way out. Worship team's going to come on up here. Mark, go ahead and come on up here, Daniel. And they're going to lead us in this song. And let me pray for us as uh, we sing this great uh, Christmas carol together. Lord God, I thank you that you have come into the world, that you have come into this little, little village in Bethlehem. And in this really small, insignificant place, you did the most significant thing, that you pushed back the darkness and your light 
your eternal light shines there. God, I pray for us. I pray for us as a people that in those places of darkness in our own lives, in those places where there's fear and there's places where we feel trapped, God, that your light would shine. Come, Jesus Christ. Come into our lives. Fill us with your light. Fill us with your forgiveness and fill us with your love. We give you the darkness in our lives. Fill us, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen.